Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And of course, you can always find us too on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. And school is officially back in session. And if you are already stumped on what to pack for kids' snacks or make for dinner, then have no fear. We've got mom, nutritionist, and creator of Snacks with Jacks, Sarah Osborn. She's joining us to provide some tips and tricks. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, it's a it's a good thing to have you on, and also congratulations, girl. You represented a Mississippi well, being on Good Morning America this past last week, I think it was, uh, for for this very topic for sharing tips and tricks. What was that like? Oh, it was amazing. It was such a whirlwind, and everyone was so nice and so supportive through the whole thing, and it was just such an honor to be asked and included. So when someone like Good Morning America reaches out and says, hey, I want you to come on and help America create some good and easy tips for snacking throughout the school year, where do you even start with coming up of ideas to share? Because you probably only get three minutes, maybe, Sarah, or how long was your segment? Yeah, it was only about 60 seconds. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so it was super, super fast. But they, you know, they actually already followed me on Instagram, so they knew exactly what they wanted. And they wanted me to talk about a lot of the things I did with my own son who started kindergarten last year and how I got him prepped for kindergarten and really built his confidence so when he had his first lunchtime away from me, he handled it like a pro. Well, let's talk about that because Jax is your, uh, I guess he was the inspiration for your Instagram page and your company or your or your website, Snacks with Jax, which I think is so cute. So how did you help prepare him? How did you sort of set the stage for him to have an easy transition? So we started by doing exactly what he was going to do at school, but at home. I would pack his lunch boxes the way I planned on doing it for school, and we would sit down. He would have to unzip it open up the box, which surprisingly isn't as intuitive as you would think. A lot of kids' lunch boxes are pretty difficult to open, and that was great for me because that taught me which ones I should send and which ones we needed to return because there are a lot that some kids just aren't going to be able to open at, you know, just turning five years old. So we did that. We practiced everything else from opening pouches to putting straws in drinks. So that way when he got there on his first day, his teacher wasn't having to open a million things for him and a million things for everybody else. And let me tell you, every teacher that I have talked to has told me thank you about a thousand times because they know on that first day nothing's worse than trying to open every kid's lunch 
in just 20 minutes. I'm just thinking if you had a little juice box or milk box for every kid, I mean, that's 20 little straws you're going to have to, you know, bang on the desk or figure out. And Sarah, honestly, as I've had one go through kindergarten, she just went into sixth grade. She's got she's got lunch figured out, I promise you. Um, but I never thought about what you, like the actual lunch box you send could be a hindrance to just their ability. So that's something for parents to definitely, or grandparents to think about as they start sending their kiddos um, off for school or just to ask the question they may be in car rider line can you get into your lunchbox <laughs> and see oh, i had a mom yeah. tell me that she was like my kid came home the first day with a full lunchbox just because he didn't even know who to ask and like how heartbreaking as yeah. a parent to know your kid just sat there and was like i don't know what to do so practicing ahead of time and the most important is practicing working on eating within that time limit I have a kiddo who loves to talk, and he would gladly talk that full 20 minutes than eat. So we had to practice, you know. You're going to talk to your friends, but you need to eat, too, or you're going to be so hungry. Right, and I think that's important because even as they get older, thinking about middle schoolers, there's oftentimes she comes home starving, Sarah, and it's not because she didn't have uh, access or, you know, the ability to do it. It's she ran her mouth. And I guess I didn't think about, educating the kid on like, hey, you're going to be hungry. You're not going to be able to focus as well. Whether you take your lunch or you get it through the line, make sure you're getting something in during that time because they cut out snacks and they cut out everything when they get to higher um, higher grade levels, Sarah. So there, that lunch becomes even more important. It is. And kids, you know, parents, we think of it as their eating hour, but kids think of it as their social hour. They've been sitting at their desk and doing what they're supposed to. And so one thing for me that's been super helpful this year is thinking about that ahead of time and making sure the foods I send are easy to eat. Kind of like as adults, if we were to go to a party and they passed out hors d'oeuvres, it would likely be finger foods, small bite-sized things. We wouldn't get a whole sub sandwich to try and talk and eat a the same time. So this year I've been cutting stuff a lot smaller than I would at home, but I found it's made it a lot easier for him to eat and also talk with all these new friends. I think that's a stress that so many parents do have. I mean, it's no um, secret that a lot of us have picky eaters or we deem them picky eaters as the as younger kids. And you start to worry when you do send them off to school. Will they eat what you know is cooked or what to pack in their lunchbox? But for those that choose to pack the lunch for whatever reason, Sarah, how do you help them, I guess, get out of a rut or think outside of the box of what they normally do? Because I feel like that's something that can get real sterile real quick. It is. And then you'll even notice kids will get burnt out on having that same thing all the time. And then your plan of just sending them what they like ends up backfiring. So I try to share a lot of content on easy-to-pack lunches, things you can pack ahead of time, things that you can pack without having to cook, and ways to make really small changes to their favorite foods. Just like I shared a bunch of ideas of peanut butter and jelly alternatives. It's very similar to something they may like, but it's just changing it in a little way that makes it fun or different every day. And that can really help them not only be interested in eating more, but also have more variety in their diet, especially if they are a picky eater. 
I've always shared, too, science says that if you will, and I know it sounds like you're going the extra mile, but sometimes you have to, even in the school lunch line, if they will actually just slice the apple for them or cut the oranges into wedges or just take the grapes off the, the stems, like all that sounds like you're waiting hand and foot on them, and you kind of are, but they still are small, that it makes it super accessible and easier for them to eat the things we would prefer them eating with their hands than some of the others. Do you have any other tricks like that? Exactly, yes. Cutting things small. I love to do little things like add a food pick or some sort of small item like a dip that's going to add extra calories to the foods they're already going to eat, like chips. So you're getting more in them that's going to keep them full. But just tiny little things that when they open that lunchbox, they're excited to see it. The other thing I hear a lot, Sarah, from mom friends and beyond is that after school, right? I mean, you, especially if you have littles, you get them home and the, and it feels like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter how, what age they are. They get home from school and they feel like they could eat anything but the kitchen sink. Many are a little dehydrated. I do know that. But as I mentioned, as they get in older grades, they don't get their snacks anymore or they're not supposed to be eating uh, in class. So what are some of the tricks that you can have for parents that maybe that way they don't come home and they do just go to all the junk type foods that kind of is where you know that highlight is they just reach for something easy how do you balance accessible for tweens and youngers but then also nutritious so I think you said it perfectly earlier, having certain things already prepped. And it doesn't have to be one of every fruit they've ever liked. Just once a week prepping two or three fruits, two or three vegetables, and something easy like muffins or granola bars. That When they come in, that's easier to reach in and grab than any of their other favorites that they may have to heat up or put together. This is going to be super easy to come in and grab. And what I love to do is I'll actually, before I even head to the school pickup line, I'll go ahead and make like a little almost kid's charcuterie board. And so the minute he walks in and he's tired and he's done and doesn't want to talk to me, he can sit down and start snacking. And there's enough variety there and it's already prepared that, you know, he doesn't want to put in the extra effort to ask for anything. He's just going to sit down and naturally start eating the food that's in front of him. And I've found that that's one of the best times for me to get vegetables in because he is hungry and he doesn't want the extra work of having to ask for stuff. I like that. Sneak it in while they're starving. You hungry? You eat this carrot. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get anything. You don't get anything else. No, that's not true. But I think oftentimes parents just need, you know, sort of those tricks or sort of those tips on on how to do it. I mean, they want to offer healthier things. They want to have their, you know, their kids uh, eating lunches that, you know, they hope that would be nourishing. But you just sometimes you just throw up your hands and you just don't know. You just don't know what to do, Sarah. So you mentioned your uh, Instagram where I think you're going at one hundred and five thousand. And strong. How does that feel? How does that feel that 105,000 people have decided to tune in what Snacks with Jax is all about? It's wild. It's honestly such an honor, and I take it as such a responsibility to make sure I share things that are helpful for people, but also encouraging, because what I found as a parent is it is so hard to get on social media and see everyone else being picture-perfect and picture-perfect plates. Hey, Sarah, can you stick with us? Can we chat with you a little bit longer? Absolutely. All right, stick with us. we got more with Sarah. She's the creator of Snacks with Jax. Coming up next.
upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. back to good things don't forget you can watch us we are on your computer your mobile device just head on over to super talk tv you may have watched our guest who's with us sarah she is the creator of snacks with jack she was recently on good morning america she was sharing helpful hacks to start the new school year helping our kids eat healthier which i think is all a good thing but sarah i want to go back to how this all got started because this is inspired by your son but you started this instagram account how long ago um, I started it five and a half years ago when he had his first meal of solids at six months old and we did baby led weaning. Which is a big topic of conversation now. It's growing in popularity here in America. I know that baby led weaning in other parts of the, of the world, particularly Australia and some other places, it's been going on for a lot, lot longer. And then older generations probably did it and didn't even realize that they were uh, sort of doing it. And there's a lot of parents who want guidance on that. Why did you feel like as a nutrition expert that you could use this platform as a helpful tool for parents who wanted to maybe go down that journey of baby led weaning? Well, honestly, it's because when I started looking at Instagram baby led weaning, it was always just the before place of what they were serving their baby, but I never really understood what the baby was eating, what it looked like, how it went. So I started sharing both before and after pictures, and I would go into detail in all the captions, and so many parents found it relatable and helpful to see, okay, well, if this meal didn't work, this is how I'm going to change it, this is how it got better, and getting to watch and follow the journey. I feel like has been so helpful because he has gone through the typical picky toddler phase. And now that he's six, you know, he asks for salmon. So it's just really interesting. So let's help folks with the vocabulary words there. Baby led weaning. For some, you you know, you're going to have those that now have grandchildren and they're not even worried about, you know, sort of the solids age or everywhere sort of in between. So when you've got a newcomer that comes to the topic of baby led weaning or new parents who are sort of figuring out which direction they want to go when that time comes, how do you help them understand what that means? So baby-led weaning is essentially taking what an adult is eating and preparing it in a safe way that a baby, starting at six months, once they've shown all the signs of readiness, which is generally about six months but can vary a little bit, um, but once they're ready to safely start eating solids, it's introducing them to the same foods that you're eating. And what I found so helpful with that was that it took a huge mental load off of thinking, what am I going to feed them? Oh, yeah, and I need to feed myself. And it then became, what am I going to feed us? And so you're learning how to feed your baby the same foods you're eating. And in the long run, that also helps build their taste preferences around the foods they're going to grow up eating in your home. It's so funny how it changes between kids. Sarah, there's seven years difference. My first uh, was by the book. Everything was like steamed, homemade baby food, all the things, went through the progression, lost sleep over it. That's my now middle schooler. And my four-year-old, when we started, her first solids was a French fry at Mugshots. (laughs) 
<laughs> that she reached over and grabbed. And I said, well, here we go. You know, like, okay. So I, I too embraced that with the second go around. It really simplified, um, it simplified life. But I come from with, you know, I have the privilege, privilege of the knowledge and the understanding behind it that I feel like a lot of parents are scared of it. So when parents get nervous about it or even grandparents who maybe feel like other ways that have been done in the past should stay that way. How do you help, I guess, alleviate some of that stress? So there are, in existence as adults, we still eat those soft textures, yogurt, um, oatmeal, guacamole. So all of those are still going to exist. So parents in the beginning, because I totally relate, having your first child, it's It's nerve-wracking. And so if they're not quite ready, I try to start them instead of spoon-feeding purees to put those on a preloaded spoon and let their baby practice eating that and self-feeding it that way and build up to where the parent feels comfortable and they feel comfortable that their baby can do it. Because some parents just aren't going to be comfortable the first time putting a banana down in front of their baby. And I'm not going to tell them that they have to do that. They can easily mash that banana and put it on a spoon and let their baby learn to eat it that way first. And so I try to really be encouraging of where you feel comfortable starting, let's start there and let's build a plan to help your baby learn to eat all of the textures. So what if you're way past that? Maybe you do have like a toddler or a, you know, a tween or even a teen and you're like, hey, those days are behind me, but I have such a picky eater. They won't eat fruits, vegetables. You know, they're, you know, they're the typical sort of run of the meal whenever we think about a picky eater. Do you have any sort of, you know, help or I guess grace for those parents when they feel like, yeah. Oh, yes. So I worked as a children's culinary instructor for a long time. I even used to baby wear Jackson and teach mommy and me classes. And every single child that came into that kitchen would eat things that their parents never thought they would eat because unlike being at the table, the kitchen is a fun place where there's no pressure to try things. And in the long run, that makes them feel more safe trying things. I have videos of Jackson helping me cook and he's chewing on a raw bulb of garlic that he would never touch on his plate. But because it's fun and it's an engaging and it's an exciting experience, he wants to do it. And even with teens, I used to have teen classes and they would come in and they'd be more willing to try things when they had control over how those things were made and they knew everything that was going into them. That can really help alleviate a lot of that stress and anxiety that comes from eating new foods, especially if you've been a picky eater for, you know, 12, 13 years. What about um, not like when parents get really irritated? I know, and it's like they want to force, but you can't force a kid to try something new or sort of eat it because then, you know, that's one of their only uh, forms of autonomy as a young um, adult or a young person is to say no to foods because they literally can't say no to where they live or who they live with or where they go Mm -hmm. to school. And so how do you help them, I guess, you know, introduce things at the table with the same things that they enjoy, but not having it not be become a knockdown drag out fight so with little kids there's a lot of fun with doing novelty making things exciting food play with older kids it's a lot of understanding what they already like and finding ways to make new foods similar 
but not different. So if they like French fries and you know they love French fries, maybe make zucchini fries or carrot fries and offer that alongside a familiar dip and other foods that they already know so they feel safe coming to the table. But then when that's in front of them and it's so similar, they're much more comfortable trying those things. Does this work for adults too? Because Will, our producer, he could use a little help with expanding. I So I tell people all the time, I just turned 30, and it wasn't until the end of my 20s that I realized I love Brussels sprouts, but only if I air fry them and put a little bit of Parmesan cheese, and then I could eat them all day. But, you know, if I didn't find a way that I liked them, I probably would still to this day be like, "Mm, nah, I don't want to try Brussels sprouts. So even as an adult, you can learn to like things. You just have to find a way you like one thing and then make that other thing pretty similar so you feel safe trying it. One trick, or I guess tip, it's not really a trick, Sarah, I've used with parents over the years, is that you need to get your children to articulate to you what it is that they don't like about that. And if they've never tried that, especially when they get to a certain age, then you can sort of say, well, you're going to have to try it. Then you have to explain to me what it is about it that you don't like because you also need to remind your kids and you need to be reminded that people are allowed to have opinions about foods not all foods you're going to like you're going to like different tastes and textures you're allowed that (laughs) like you're allowed to have foods you don't like and so if you're if you teach your kids you don't have to like everything but when we try things you get to figure out what you do and don't like and then if you can articulate what it is is it a taste is it a smell is it a texture then that can help be a little bit more of a guide for you and figuring out other ways for them to to fit it in and they'd also feel like mom's not trying to make me eat everything but you have to also be willing to say okay if little timmy doesn't like you know sweet potatoes then but we can try something else you know giving giving them the permission to have food preferences Mm -hmm. that's so important and that's one thing i love to do i do a very similar thing where if my son doesn't like something instead of being like well what else can i make you i ask him well is there something we can do to make this better Sometimes it's cutting it. Sometimes, you know, like you said, he can articulate now. Maybe it's the smell of something is off-putting. And so, you know, then I know that. And then next time I may prepare it in a different way so that way it's not quite as fragrant. Um, So it is really important. And it's important to honor that as a parent and know that, you know, your child may not like everything. But the most important thing to remember as a parent is if you look up how much protein my kid needs in a day, it's, you know, it's going to be in a day increment. It's not in a meal. So if one meal feels unbalanced or feels like they only ate from one food group, the rest of the day, there is time and space and eating opportunities to balance it out. And I feel like once you kind of change that mindset as a parent, you stop getting so stressed out at those individual meals, even if they're not eating certain things, because you know, they're getting a chance to eat them. They might eat them next time, but they're still meeting all their nutrition needs. Amen, Sarah. Amen. I love this conversation. If parents want to find you online, where do they find you? You can find me at Snacks with Jax, J-A-X, on Instagram, on TikTok, and we also have a website, snackswithjax.com. All right. Well, this is First of Many, Sarah. I appreciate your time. Again, congratulations on your Good Morning America, and thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Y'all have a great weekend. All right. You guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. 
She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. things we are on your computer your mobile device you can watch us on roku amazon fire tv devices you can even find us on youtube if you got ceasefire tv we are on channel 70 right next to the weather channel which is just going to tell you it's hot it's just that hot and if you're making plans to be at the mississippi book festival this weekend it's gonna be hot <laughs> but we got two authors that will be in author alley this year we got francis and jt they are the creators of pocket grammar 24 mistakes you'll never make again and i think every student in the state of mississippi needs one of these in their pocket. So welcome, guys and gal. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for having okay, us. Okay, this is pretty cool. This is a unique, so it's not your traditional book, like if you would think grammar book. It is kind of like a resource. It literally is a pocket resource and kind of a guide. So one of you take it. Where did this idea come from and so, sort of inspiration? Yeah, so um, I was connected to a publisher in Quebec and um, kind of was talking to him about kind of like some ideas for grammar books and for education. And um, he came and visited me in L.A. from Quebec. And then right after he visited, JT and my brother came and stayed. And then COVID hit. So we were and kind of. COVID. And it's like COVID. one day we will not hear that. Exactly. But it seems like it's. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. so we were kind of like stuck in the house. I was, you know, we were just like. There was no sightseeing being done, um, and so I just showed him kind of like the books, and we started just kind of like spitballing um, ideas for how we could make it like more fun and interactive. Um, well, you know, JT, you're our news director here at Super Talk for Super Talk uh, News, and you have been in media for a while, writing articles and such. And I know that was also a passion of yours in school. So, the grammar piece. I mean, you must have been like, yes, this is <laughs> this is needed. You know, with the pandemic, a lot of innovation came about in this industry and other industries, and nothing irks me more than when I'm reading an article or a book, and there's a typo in a freaking novel or news article, yeah. and it's something from affect to effect to I and me that people mess up. I mess it up sometimes. I try not to. I read the book about it. But everybody messes it up. Um, and so we figured out a way to convey it easily in a vibrant manner to what hopefully people will buy. What I love, too, though, is that it is so much fun to look at. So who is responsible for the illustrations? Yeah, I did the That's, illustrations. Okay. They Thank are so fun. That. And so I'm thinking, again, I have a middle schooler, and I feel like as she's moving more into independent writing and not, I would say, short stories, but very short paragraph style, style stories, not short, short stories, you know, this is something good for her to have to sort of look through because, you know, adults you think should know, should being the operative word there. Um, but some things do get tricky and you kind of do forget if it's been decades since you've had grammar. So sure. how did you guys pick the 24? Like, how did you pick the 24 mistakes in it terms of grammar? It was quite a process. It there was were, a tough one. Yeah, there were a lot that we wanted to do. We thought about doing a sequel, but, you know. Maybe just, in the future. Yeah, the 2. annoyance. The, I would say, like, gauging by just, like, how often you know it comes up in yeah, our lives we probably started with 50 pairs really and because they are down. pairs i guess we should say that i guess right. maybe there's a few that's three but so had to come down and these are the 24 most misused mm-hmm. um and the ones we felt people needed the most 
which I just sent a text to hate Brian Haydad, who's coming up next with Sports Talk, and just it says, um, just letting you know that football season has started, that it's lose, not loose yes. when you're typing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, it, you know, it's O's. it's sort of tempting to do that. I know another one is what um, there, where it's you know there is is, is someone's, and then they are, which you know, or that way. So, how did you try to keep it where it was rememberable? I mean, and Francis, that would come through your wonderful illustrations. What was the process? Because you try to, if people can see, maybe I can hold it up, and can it get will can it um, focus in on it at all? But you act it out, which I think is really is really helpful. Because I'm a visual learner, right? And so I can connect things. If I can see it being done, then I'm going to remember it more likely. So how did you sit through and think think through the illustrations? So I kind of thought about – because I'm the kind of person that not only needs to see but also do. Mm -hmm. And so kind of illustrating how – the word is used in normal life and finding a way to kind of like make it um, accessible, if that makes sense. And there's a bunch of pro tips on here as well at the bottom of each card, which are just memory tricks. We dug back in our memory and thought of what tips the teachers tell us to remember the difference between these. So if you're talking about capital and capital, the capital is Jackson, has an A. The capital building, there you go, has an O. And so think of that O as the dome yeah. in the capital building. That's how you can remember the difference between capital and capital. Well, exactly. I, you know, and that's so helpful for kids, too. But And we keep talking about students, and I do believe, um, JT, that I think every somehow every Mississippi student needs to, to get one of these. I think, you know, middle school, because they'll keep up with it a little bit more than, um, than elementary school, but that anybody who's going into journalism or wants to write or just sort of uh, enjoying, you know, if they're content creators at all, anything to have like that hack to just to be able to, to um, I guess, to refine your skills because you do forget them. And it should be something you're embarrassed about it should be something that you should embrace and try to just figure out for sure and that's another big reason that we did pocket grammar because we there is kind of a lot of like anxiety and stress around making grammatical errors so you know using kind of like the phrase everyone makes mistakes pocket grammar can help and kind of normalizing that like the english language is kind of a crazy thing and it's every industry every age group you know, I had lunch with an attorney yesterday. She said, every attorney I know needs affect and effect. Yes, you absolutely, know? which is number one. Or no, not number one. It's one of the number two. I mean, you can scroll on Facebook, probably find a typo right now. That's a great post, but I can't share it because it's a typo, big typo. Um, it's nothing to be embarrassed about, whether you're in fourth grade or as old as all of us. You're going to make a grammar mistake. No, this is here to help. I did affect effect today. Yeah. was like, oh, whoops. We keep one in the newsroom. All the time. There's a pocket grammar yeah. all the time in the newsroom that people go to in case, you know, Aww. one of these comes up. I love that. And, you know, and but remind two parents as well as, um, I, I guess, uh, students that may be listening how important it is to care about grammar because I look at it, you know, now I have a kid who is used to, well, she's not texting very much, but but minimally, but kids talk in text now. Even adults, have, uh, sadly, we talk in text now. I, I read on social media, I'm like, you are typing in text and, you know, and not that that shorthand doesn't have its space, but we don't need to lose. When you think about the Mississippi Book Festival, you think about Faulkner, you think about all these others, like, we don't want to lose grammar, Right. I mean, imagine Faulkner or Welty typing out L M K. Let me know. <laughs> <Or> LOL. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. 
<laughs> right. Like I, I think, you know, understanding the concepts, too, of the grammar also builds. It's a foundation that builds on to other sort of forms of 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 learning um, and that as well. And yeah. I think it's also kind of um, everyone uses the Internet for everything nowadays. So, like, being able to kind of, like, look at, like, a book and, you know, like, get Instead of typing it out and learning it once and then forgetting it immediately, like using a more sustainable resource to like actually really get that the concept in your mind. Um, and if like- you want to be, and this is, is one of those things that's sad to say, but it's someone needs to tell you, if you want to be taken seriously, right, in, in a particular area, and word, written word is going to be part of how you're going to present yourself, then it's something you want to invest in learning, or at least minimizing the mistakes as much as possible, so that when it does happen, they go, what? ooh, that was a, you know, a fluke, right. versus they're never going to take you seriously if it's completely, because you do the same thing, you pass judgment on the those that you can obviously tell didn't put a, mu- a lot of um, proofreading yeah. into into their work. It can invalidate something very quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. There's and, a big typo in it. Okay, so someone text in, what a clever idea uh, in this. Kids need this all over the state. So how do you get it? I know so, you come to the book festival. Yeah, you can come see us tomorrow. We'll be in Author's Alley. You can also go to thepocketgrammar.com. They'll redirect you to our publisher site. Um, if you're an educator out there, the more you buy, the less it goes down in terms of per copy. Right now we have one The school. more it goes down per copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got him. No. Uh, so Author's Alley tomorrow on President and Northwest Street between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And you can also um, purchase a pocket grammar and donate to Everytown, and we will give you a, a free pocket grammar. Yes. What's Everytown? Everytown is an organization. Um, it's made of, like, victims and, like, families from, like, school shootings just, like, coming together and kind of, like, trying to change how often it happens. So, yeah, yeah, we decided as an educational resource, you know, we have a platform to kind of talk about that. So I think yeah, your next one needs uh, to be math. I feel like there's a lot that we could add. Yeah. <laughs> math, math is yeah. hard and other things, you know, whatever. I don't know. But I think this is awesome. I think you have found a little bit of a, of a niche again. You know, parents, don't be don't be shy of getting this for your kid. Um, just giving them the tools in their tool belt. If you are a um, homeschool mom, this is great for your group. If you're, you know, any kind of educator, I think getting a group, uh, getting a box of them would be to hand out would be a smart thing um, to do. Good luck tomorrow. Pack water, yes, and then lots of pins to sign all your pocket grammars because <laughs> that's that's important too. You know, the yes is y'all's good work. All right, well, thank you for your time, but stick with us. We got more for you up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. If I have to beg, please, for your 
Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Join Middays with Gerard Gibbert coming up on Tuesday at Mossy Oak in West Point for the upcoming Prairie Arts Festival on Labor Day weekend. And then you got Sports Talk Mississippi. They are coming up next, but they will be at the Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College in Perkinston on Thursday. They'll be kicking off Meet the Bulldogs Night. Plus, you'll hear about the great things going on at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. And, Will, you're filling in for Rhino for the, I say the remainder of the week. It is Friday. <laughs> yeah, about another 10 minutes. Or so, so I asked, are you happy for Friday? And you said yes, but until next week. Because for you and the rest of the gang here who gears up for this time of year, it's y'all's busy season. Can That's you believe right. it? There's so what, games tonight, actually. Uh, a lot of the. So you're just slacking? Yeah, we're slacking. A lot of the independent academy schools are playing tonight. Uh, but everybody seems, it seems like everyone is playing um, Friday night next week. And there's a lot of Jamboree games tonight, too, by the way. So, yes, yeah, so it's it's gearing up for uh, – it, it, it always takes high school football because it starts a little bit earlier than everybody else. It always takes it a couple of weeks before it actually feels like football weather. I was because looking, it's 103 I outside. looked at the weather the other day, and for next Friday, it is going to be a – yeah, 103. The low is 79. There is nowhere – Hotter or colder than being on metal bleachers watching a football game, right? Because at the beginning of the year, it's super duper hot and the sun hadn't fully gone down by the time like kickoff. So usually by the back half, you are feeling a little better. And trust me, the reason I know this is from years of a cheerleader, not from my butt being in there watching anybody just yet. My kids aren't there yet. And my daddy would always say that's the hottest place to ever be. And then fast forward just a couple of months or a couple of weeks, really. And then you get into what, late November, uh, particularly when's when is the championship usually ish? around. Uh, it- The end of November, beginning of December. And depending on how Mississippi throws out their weather, her weather, those (laughs) late nights, now it starts off feeling good, but by the time, you know, the ball game ends, sitting there in those metal bleachers just being open to the elements and all It seems like we're we're about halfway through the season and finally you get a little bit of a break and it finally feels somewhat like cold, like like football wet, what we call football weather, about halfway through the season. <laughs> so you host the scoreboard show, which comes on after Sports Talk. The preview show. The preview yes. show. Sorry, the scoreboard show comes on after, or comes on at 10. Comes on from 10, 10 to 11.30. This year it'll be Lance. Uh, I'll be helping out some, but it'll mainly be Lance from the Gallo show now. Uh, Butch and Keith. And Lacey will be there. So we've got a big team, and they've been together for many, many years, uh, Butch and Keith. And I, I talked to Butch just a, f- a few moments ago. In fact, I, I think it's 25 years, maybe 26 years that they've been together, something like that. That's nuts. So I know the boys on Sports Talk, they do a lot leading up to kickoff for college football. You know, there's all the polls, there's all the rankings, there's all the things. Is that like that in high school, or is it more just um, around the, you know, the the coffee pot there at the gas station, or hearsay at the hair at the hair salon, or is there any real thinking there, of... There are rankings, but people... Just don't. It's more regional, I guess. You know, the Pine Belt or North Mississippi or the coast or what have Southwest Mississippi, what have you. And yeah, it's a little bit more. You could have a number one team in the state, but if they live in a different area, nobody's talking about them. 
in you know, let's say if the number one teams in the north part of the state, nobody in the Pine Belt's talking about them. They're worried about their teams and what's going on until it gets to sort of that point. You do feel like though, in high school football, I've been around enough seasons to know that there will always be a Cinderella story different than there is sort of in. You sometimes you get in college, but I feel like high school football and then basketball is your two opportunities for like this Cinderella run where you're like, where did these kids? You know, sort of come from for for this year, which I, to me, you know, I'm always rooting for an underdog. Yeah, we we have those every single year. There's there's teams. There's amazing stories out there too. That I remember, it's probably three or four years ago. It was before COVID. Uh, there was a team that had not scored a point all season long. I mean, they went like five or six games straight without even scoring a point. And then finally, they're playing their big rival, and I can't even remember the name of the team. They're playing their big rival. And they score one touchdown, and they win seven to six. So the you know they finally scored a touchdown, and it just so happened to be over their rival, and it was to win the game. That's the first time they had won that game in like ten years or something. Mamas cried. I know. Daddies cried. Yes. Principals cried. They had to have. That had to. You know, that had to be a thing. Again, I always say it. It's just exciting when all the communities come together. Wherever you live, it's probably you know black and gold or red and whatever white, maroon and white Fridays. And I think embrace it, enjoy it as as this sort of season uh, comes back around. All right, stick with us though. You got more sports talk coming up next with the boys from three to six. Rhino and I will meet you back here Monday at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Good things for you tonight. Good things for you tonight. Good things for you tonight. Good things for you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.